Welcome back to Martins and More. My name's Maury Rich. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And this episode's brought to you by Bronchitis. <laughs> so, <coughs> no kidding. Star of such feature films as The Blob from Below Your Throat and <laughs> other disgusting uh, matinee uh, horror features like that. But... Um, but we're going to be professional, and we're going to sled dog through this blizzard of a bronchitis that I seem to be have suffering. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I hope my cheery personality and my expert Martin knowledge makes you feel so much better throughout this episode. And by the time we're done, I nearly guarantee you're going to feel like a million bucks. Well, uh, Canadian, perhaps. But yes, <laughs> I... <laughs> I uh, yeah, I gotta say, just you know, being around you, I haven't felt this good in minutes. So thanks. It's good to be back. <laughs> and you were just on the subway. <laughs> Fortunately, not. Um, yes, you know, I think uh, it's you know it's that time of year. Things are going around. I certainly hope uh, people maintain a uh, a good level of health heading out of this uh, tumultuous year and into what will hopefully be a much better new year after the holidays, and, you know, when it comes to this time of year, what we collectively call the holidays, I always think of that age-old carol relating to the Epiphany, which uh, is, of course, the 12 days of Christmas, and Ooh. that we all learned when we were kids, and uh, still, at least, uh, secretly like to sing along with. And if we can even remember all 12 uh, days or the things that, you know, the true love received on those 12 days. What are your thoughts of all that? I am awestruck by the timing of your 12-string reference. Our good friend Bob Gordon sent us a nice email. Can you please cover Martin 12-strings? Bob, this is your lucky day. We're going to dive into all things 12-string Martin, whether it's the oldest stuff in the book, the newest stuff that's still available for sale, everywhere in between. And I'm going to give Spoon a really fun trivia question right off the bat. Uh, which 12-string am I thinking of? And the hint is, one of our good friends from Martinfest showed this to us a few years back. And it's a very unique, maybe outside-the-box idea for a Martin 12-string. Before the show is over, you have to guess what that was. I think I know. Um, by out-of-the-box, that was the giveaway clue because there have been a couple... Uh, customized one was customized but not a custom order and but the other one i think i know what it is but yes 12 strings martin 12 strings which is i think uh, fair to say the road less traveled when it comes to martin guitars so uh, we will try to um, take a 12 mile journey across to the uh, the martin 12 strings very exciting and and again i th i think it is apropos of this season, there's something jangly, um, maybe not as jangly as the bell on my kitty's collar, but it's uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of what I call jangle, and I don't say that as a bad term um, from twelve string guitars because of the uh, this the special high and shimmer might be even better name than jangle that you get from twelve strings. For those who are unfamiliar with twelve string guitars. They are tuned basically like a six-string guitar, but there are six courses of strings. And if you're not familiar with that term from stringed instruments, where a six-string guitar, each string is a different note and has a different timbre to the sound because the thickness of the string is different and because you have a combination of strings that are just steel wires, the two treble strings, and then you have strings that are a steel wire or have some other kind of core that then have some sort of metal wrapping around them, the wound strings, as we call them, that ha typically have uh, a, an alloy of sort of brass alloy of one kind or another. And they give you six different tones. Well, a 12-string guitar, the, the modern version of a 12-string guitar, the lowest string, the low E string, is doubled so that it has a thinner string next to it that's also tuned to the same note, but it's an octave above. And the A string does the same thing. 
and the D string does the same thing. Um, and then you get into the, uh, the G string, can do the same thing, doesn't always have an octave higher. Sometimes it's doubled uh, depending on the, who, what kind of strings you get. And then those last two wound strings, the E and the B, they are in unison, so they don't get a, uh, they don't get a basically harmonizing octave extra octave string, if I explain that correctly. So it's a really full, lush sound, but because of those higher strings, those octave strings, you get these really nice um, uh, treble uh, array, a sonic array, and of course, uh, you know, interesting harmonies that uh, come out of all of those amazing overtones that radiate out of a guitar like a Martin guitar, which tends to have a lot more sonic resonance and uh, sympathetic harmonic resonance than you get from a lot of other makes of guitars. Very well said. And I wonder when our listeners hear what you just talked about and when they put the idea of a Martin 12 string in their mind, do most people think of Dreadnought? I'll be honest, I do, but in doing some preparation for this episode, I went back and looked at all the Martin 12 strings that Mari's music ever had for sale, along with uh, some of the guitars that came and went before we actually became a store, and I was pleasantly surprised at how many Martin guitar 12-string models were not built on the Dreadnought platform, uh, more than I thought. Well, that, it is interesting. I think people think about dread, the Dreadnought size, the size D that Martin invented, originally as a slope-shoulder 12-fret instrument in the 19-teens for a, uh, a musical department store. Martin didn't actually offer the, a Dreadnought model under their own brand until that uh, store went out of business uh, in the Great Depression. So it wasn't until 1931 that Martin offered a Dreadnought in their own body, uh, own, under their own brand name. And then in 1934, they came out with the square shoulder dreadnought that we think of today, 14 fret dreadnought um, that we think of today. And um, it's funny because I don't necessarily think about dreadnoughts as 12 strings when I think of Martin, mainly because they came pretty late to the 12 string and because other makers, most notably uh, Gibson and Guild, and then later on uh, Taylor, um, 12 strings were typically in big jumbo bodies, and and Martin eventually followed suit uh, with that as well. But you are correct; they started out making, well, I'll say, in the modern era, they started out making dreadnought 12 strings, and um, and and for some time, the only Martin 12 strings you could get were dreadnoughts before they branched out. Um, but uh, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Uh, let's let's uh, in that case let's jump all the way to today. So let's talk about what Martin twelve strings are actually available for sale uh, now. Uh, how many can you name off the top of your head? Currently, the twelve string guitars that are available for sale from Martin Guitar are the Grand J sixteen E, the HD twelve twenty eight, and the DX two E twelve string, which I just showed on a very recent episode of Guitar Store Virtual Tour. Those are the three that are actually in production as we're taping this episode. And it's, it's funny, two of them are going to be dreadnoughts for sure, but it wasn't very long ago that Martin made a few other models that I wouldn't call brand new, but are in the, in the current mindset. You might find them you know, on the used market, but they're the three that if you want to listen to this podcast and get inspired, they're the ones you can buy brand new with warranty. And I think we, when we go through this, we'll come back to those three and talk about them uh, in more in depth uh, later on in the program uh, as we kind of go over the, uh, you know, the basic idea of a Martin 12 string. And we have friends who love Martin 12 strings. Um, we have uh, my, you know, my longtime friend, Tony Phillips, who we both met um, because of the Martin Guitar Forum. Um, you had met him at Martin the very first uh, Martin Fest, as we now call that event. And I had met him only less than six months before that. And even though he lived in Brooklyn, the same place that I do, and he's a was always a big 12-string uh, fan and, um, and has had a wide variety of 12-strings of different brands, but being a very Martin-centric, he's m owned multiple and I'm sure currently has multiple 
uh, Martin 12 strings. Um, your uh, partner in house concerts and cyber house concerts, uh, Marshall Fleischer, another huge fan of Martin 12 strings and has uh, not just Martin 12 strings. He, uh, I think anybody who knows him knows he was a big fan of the birds growing up and, uh, you know, has had his and the Beatles and had himself the uh, Rickenbacker 12 string that uh, similar to what George Harrison used and that inspired uh, Roger McGuinn and David Crosby to get them. Um, and so he's gone through or owns, uh, you know, uh, has owned a, a variety of really cool 12 string guitars. So I'd be curious to read the uh, uh, from our listeners that uh, pipe into the YouTube version of this in their comments of what uh, 12 strings they own, what Martin 12 strings they own or have always wanted to own, and, uh, and of course them pointing out some Martin 12 strings that we're going to forget to mention during this program. And we're going to talk about going back to the beginning, but I'm not sure if you know what I mean when I say that, Spoon. Not the beginning of the Martin 12 strings, but as they say, you always remember your first. What's the first 12 string you ever came across in your guitar playing life? Well, that's a fascinating question. I will have to say that the first, well, certainly the first one that I ever remember seeing and realizing having some idea of what that kind of musical instrument was, had to have been Pete Seeger's 12-string guitar. And and I'll tell you right now, Pete Seeger is very much responsible for Martin coming out with 12-string guitars at all for sale, even though he didn't play a Martin. His famous 12-string guitar was uh, was made by a, I, I should know his name, and I've always known his name, but it doesn't come to me right now. Uh, an English uh, luthier in uh, in the southern southern England who who custom made hit this extra long scale uh, twelve string that he could tune down and play in baritone tunings. And everybody's seen pictures of it. It's got a sound hole that I remember as a kid just thought it was odd. It was like an upside down pyramid. Then I realized that what it really looks like is a guitar pick, and I don't know if that was oh, yeah. done on purpose or not. But it looks like a big guitar pick. But um, that would be it uh, for me. What about you? Well, I was being a little more literal. Uh, what I want to tell you is the very first 12-string I ever came across and had in my hands. Uh, it's a little bit of a letdown, and I want to give a little bit of a shout-out. I don't know if it's a shout-out or if it's a dig, but one of my good friends long, long, long ago in college, my buddy Joe Kennedy, I think it was an Ibanez 12-string, but he had it strung with six strings because once they broke, <laughs> he just used it as a six-string. So I, I thought, this is so cool. The 12 Wait, this isn't a 12-string? Yeah, it is. No, it's not. So my first introduction to, hey, let me try a 12-string, I could, but I couldn't. And that's that's been burned in my mind. But as long as I've known him, I don't know that I've ever seen 12-strings on that. And not that it was deliberate, but after that, I can't really remember the first time I ever played a 12-string, but I've seen them. And there are some, you know, local artists around here in, in uh, Schuylkill County and Panther Valley area where I live. I must have seen one on stage somewhere, but the, the first one I remember seeing was sort of a uh, pull the carpet out of under you because it was just six strings. But it was, it was a long time before I really gravitated towards 12 strings. And a lot of people would ask me, how many guitars do you own? You're a music store. You know, you must have a million. And I only really own four good acoustic guitars and, and uh, a couple of electrics. I never did own a 12-string guitar. I've never let myself feel like I play enough 12-string music in my sets, whether I'm playing by myself or with Tim uh, in the duo or the whole band. I've, I never went and made that leap, so it's not fair to say I shouldn't, but I've never had to really decide too much on which one I would go after. And that's a question I want to ask for all of you guys in the YouTube version of this. What song do you think of when you hear somebody talk about 12-string guitars, I, I know there are got to be a, a million, um, but it, when I think of talking to you about this episode, se I seriously think about certain songs as you're talking. I'm, I'm listening to you with all my attention, but my mind also drifts a little bit to music that really, it's probably can't say this literally, but it can't be made without a 12-string guitar now that that specific song has become as big as it is. Certain pieces of music just... They just need that 12-string version. Well, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, um, but I would just like to say, uh, in honor of that memory, hey, Joe, where are you going with that 6-string, 12-string in your hand? 
Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, for me, I would, it would probably have to be Ticket to Ride or um, Drive My Car. Certainly it was George Harrison's 12-string sound that I never knew what was making that sound. Or, you know, I knew it was a guitar. I never, I never. And I, I remember very clearly uh, reading some memoir somewhere where the birds uh, were up in the balcony to see the, Bill, the Beatles playing some theater in San Francisco and not uh, because of the guild, the guild uh, electric 12-string setup where one set of tuners is behind the other, they couldn't figure out how George Harrison was getting his, that sound because it looked like a six-string guitar. And, and I don't know if one of them had binoculars or whatever, but eventually they figured out it was a 12-string guitar and, you know, and decided that was the sound for them. So, and Do you mean Rickenbacker? Yeah, the Rickenbacker 12, rather. What did I say? Did I say Guild? Sorry. Rickenbacker. Rickenbacker. Um, yeah, the Electric Rick. And, um, nice. So that, but, and I know Judy, I remember certainly seeing Judy Collins playing a ginormous 12-string uh, dreadnought of some sort, um, you know, when I was a kid on some TV show. You know, they definitely were there. But um, I know that I definitely played somebody else's 12-string in college. I have no idea who it was. I just knew, and similar to the one that you played, it was not a high-end guitar, so it basically you spent your entire life just trying to keep it in tune. And it was way too labor-intensive <laughs> for me, though it was pretty to play and difficult to play with a big wall of strings. You know, if you're not used to them, it's a bit uh, intimidating trying to particularly if you're trying to pick out individual notes. They sound wonderful when you're doing the big auto harp strum. So I w they were not really on my radar that much. And, um, and later on, you know, I started to recognize the sound um, as 12-string. But um, uh, Gordon Lightfoot was, you know, he was famous for his 12-string playing. Boy, I can't think of other artists right now off the top of my head, so I look forward to seeing if other people want to mention that, of what artists and what songs really stuck out to them. I think Angie by the Stones, isn't that done on a on one of those, those big Gibson 12-strings uh, that everybody had back then that were basically tanks? They had no... They had, <laughs> by Martin standards, they had no tone whatsoever other than the sound of the strings. They had double X bracing <laughs> to support the neck. And oh my so God. they they weighed a ton. I can't remember the name of the model, but I know Tony definitely had one in his youth. And and then I think he ended up getting the later version that didn't have the he super heavy, um, super heavy <laughs> bracing. But but and this is kind of leading into when we're talking about uh, talking about you know the first ones and stuff. They were already out there and established by a variety of other makers long before Martin got into making twelve strings. Um, so here's a quick trivia question for you. What year was the first Martin 12-string constructed? Now, this isn't one of the trivia questions we're going to wait for because unless you're really a Martin history trivia geek, you're probably not going to get this right because the answer isn't 1964. The answer is, if I remember correctly, 1931 when Martin took their C-size archtop and made a, a custom order 12 string for a dealer. It's a round sound hole, arch top guitar with one of those big, odd, sort of Freedom Tower looking pick guards, uh, kind of floaty pick guard, but not really a floating pick guard, I don't think. And I'm pretty sure the museum owns it now. But that was the very first one. We also know from the ledgers, they definitely did a triple of 28 12 string in the 1930s at one point for somebody. Really? So, yes, yeah, so there's definitely little oddball Martin 12 strings that were made at the factory in the pre-war era, but they're very, uh, very small number of them. I don't know if any others even are in existence other than that original C2, I think it was in style 2, uh, C2 12 string. But anyway, so I always thought that was very cool because I, like a lot of everybody else, out there thought that Martin's first 12-string was, in fact, the D1220, which came out in 1964. This is a slope shoulder. For all intents and purposes, it was a D18S, uh, but a 12-string version of it. But it was uh, they called it Style 20 because it had Style 28 backstrip. And there might be something about the purfling around the edge of the top is not exactly the same 
a style 18 or maybe even the rosette is style 28. From those of you who remember, uh, style 18 and style 28 had different rosettes. And then for decades in the like the late 70s, maybe 80s onward, they had the same rosette for a long time. And now they're back to having a separate rosette in the standard series. But um, back then, the 18 and the 28 would have had a separate rosettes. And I think maybe the D1220 has, uh, I haven't seen one in a long time. That was the first Martin 12 string I ever played. And um, I enjoyed the heck out of it. That belonged to Tony Phillips as well. Though I might have played one in some shop at one th time. But the first time I like really played one and recorded with it was uh, the D1220. 20 that Tony had. Now these are Rosewood Bridge and Fingerboard. They have a wall of strings. Uh, they're not like modern Martins where the courses are a little closer together, the strings themselves, so they're easier to finger pick. Those older ones are different, more difficult to finger pick. Um, but by that time, the 12-string mania was all over the place, thanks to pe people like Pete Seeger and Judy Collins and other people who were playing 12-string guitars in the big folk scene. But in the 1930s, uh, Lead Belly was famous for playing his uh, big old uh, Stella 12 strings, which you talk about brick smokehouses. They weigh 10,000 pounds. And, <laughs> you know, you could defend yourself against Vikings with those things. And, and um, people pay an awful lot of money uh, to get that sound, which I don't think is a very good sound at all. But that's the sound he played when he was playing these <laughs> inexpensive, uh, overly built Stellas. And so that really, you know, they, they 12, love of 12 strings go way back, well, back into the uh, 18th century even, um, but, I mean, 19th century, rather, and, but, but not really until Lead Belly and a few other people were playing 12 strings in the blues circuit, and then the folk uh, people took them over, and then the folk rockers like Roger McGuinn, that's, you know, they really took off then. And so Martin got on the bandwagon with the D1220 slope shoulder mahogany dreadnought, big, wide, uh, it's probably wider than one seven-eighths inch nut. I don't remember. Maybe it's one and seven-eighths. And um, short scale to uh, to really help combat that string tension. And the uh -huh. next year, in the very next year, 1965, they came out with the D35, the D, sorry, D1235, which they came out at the same time. They came out with the D35 and the and the D, uh, D35S. It's interesting, they didn't put the S for standard body shape in the 12 strings, they just used the 12. So it's a D1235 that has in Brazilian rosewood back and sides. It's got the extra purfling because of the three-piece back. And otherwise, the uh, style, you know, from that era, style 35 accoutrement. And back then, they were still using the, uh, the tortoise pickguard. Um, Tony, I know, has had more than one D1235 uh, 12 fret short scale, uh, magnificent guitars, and and if I unless I'm dreaming, he had one converted into style 45, as I recall. So um, he's got a basically style 45 Brazilian Martin 12 string as well. But those are the two for quite a while. Uh, then they made some special ones here and there. Um, that, so these were big 12-fret dreadnoughts. And then eventually, I wish I could remember the year. I should know the year. I'll blame the bronchitis. But uh, they came out <laughs> with the 14-fret D28, D1228. And I don't remember when the first mahogany dreadnought 14-fret came out anymore. I should have looked this stuff up, but I didn't have time. Um, people re will certainly remember David Crosby's famous mahogany 12 string that was actually a D18 that he had converted into a 12 string yep. and was after Martin for years to to do that and they never did until he you know until he was old and a legend and then they finally came out with a signature model version of it but um, but his uh, 12 string was famously stolen and then he got it back many many years later so uh, cool 12 string story yeah, there's a cool video somewhere about that where he talks about exactly what happened and they had to make a real effort to, you know, they had to move the bridge so far that there's a big piece of the uh, guitar has got to be hidden with a new pickguard and everything, right? Yes, exactly. And so, um, uh, and I should also point out, they also uh, did a D1245, again, this 12-fret guitar, and a D1241. These were all made in and around the, the late 60s, early 70s. Um, 
and uh, um, and they have, and I guess the D12, the D1228 was the first one with a solid headstock. They typically had uh, um, the slotted headstocks. So, and so those, you know, those 45s are extremely rare and very cool. But uh, they have the block, block and all that stuff, the block inlays. Um, I'm really surprised to learn that the D1235 came before the D1228. Yeah, yeah, that's because in the 60s, they were running out of uh, what they felt was was cosmetically good quality Brazilian. And so they were switching to the three peeps backs and to use up some of these old fantastic pieces of Brazilian rosewood. Some of them go, went, probably went back to the 19-teens. They still had hanging around the... The, the factory and um, the, huh. so the D35 was considered. Remember, they weren't making Pearly Martins at this time in the '60s. The D35 was the big flagship model, and that was you know cost more than the D28. Had the bound neck like the old uh, you know, '40s uh, guitars did, and from the '30s, and um, and so that was considered their big flagship model. So they didn't come out with the 28 until I don't even remember. I'm guessing. Oh, no, I'm here. I just looked it up. Hold on one second. It says right here, prototype of the D12-18 was 1973. And it was, and then it was sent back to being a, a special order in 84, deleted uh, from the order list in 1995. Now, that's a 14-fret dreadnought with a solid peg head, um, mahogany. But the D28, let's see here. Let me just read you. This is from, this is from the book, uh, Washburn book. Uh, although the D12, D20, and D1235 were popular from the moment the 12-fret models appeared, their request for Martin 12-string guitars and 14 frets. The D1228 had the same body design as the D28, but was braced to accommodate 12 strings. The neck was also D28 style, but 1 inch width at the nut. Original machines were Grover, thin lines, V135s, but M6 uh, mini sh uh, shallers were later added. Lighter bracing was introduced in 1986. So they are more heavily braced um, as a 12 fret model. Now these were still short scale guitars, I'm pretty sure, because of the, because of the string tension. But it doesn't actually give the exact date of when the, that was introduced. But, but they've done a bunch of stuff. They, uh, I, guess, I, I guess what a lot of people think of D12s, um, with Martin, they think of the, the jumbo that was done in style 40. And that was very popular. Introduced in 1985, the J40M. And M back then meant mahogany. If it was attached to the... Uh, so it's interesting they have a J40M. And huh. uh, then they have a... Oh, that was the J40. And then they... Oh, no, no, that didn't mean mahogany for them. That meant the M body size. That was the confusion. That was meant the, the M body shape. Remember when Chris Martin invented the J, they actually stuck M on the end of the models for some unknown reason because of the <laughs> shape of the top and the back. And then they came out with the J1240, which was the, the 12 string that was identical to... Um, but ebony tuners and gold tuners... Uh, okay, so they, that's interesting. They did call it a J1240M. Um, introduced 1985, dropped the M suffix in 91, uh, got updated appointments to the neck and rosette, uh, along with the J40, when they changed style 40 in 96, and deleted in 1997. Off the top of my head, of the ones that aren't around anymore, I think my favorite Martin 12-string is probably the J15, the J1215 or the J1512, oh. or whatever they called them when they came out. Really wonderful, cool, warm sound, and... and uh, you know, very unique sounding instrument. And, um, and I was actually contemplating ordering a custom with a cutaway right when Martin stopped taking, uh, allowing dealers to do custom orders in the 15 series. I never did get around to it. But I've never owned a 12 string, never. And, but that was the one I was aiming to own. Um, but maybe someday. Um, Interesting. And if you guys are listening to that and you're not sure what spoon means, you still can order a 15 series custom, but Martin's going to force you to build it with standard series construction. So it could still end up looking like a 15, but it's going to be a, a standard series full dovetail instrument under the hood uh, with that price tag to follow it. So you really can't keep it in the, uh, in the 15 family, but you could end up with something. You can basically disguise a standard series guitar to look, sound, and smell like a 15 if you want to, but it's not going to be cheap. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I'd gotten an email from a fellow in Germany 
uh, saying that he had bought a used triple O fifteen G with an extra dash. So there was a dash and then a G, and he asked me what you know if I knew anything about it. And uh, so I had to write him back its serial number. And so our friend Michael Dickinson, who, um, as we all know, is good friends with Robert Getzel, Robert Getzel, Robert Getzel, Robert Getzel. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, just to name uh, drop a little bit. And he looked it up for me, and it was a limited run by the European distributor. This was going back quite a ways. Back when the 15s were all being made with Sapeli, uh, pre-the 15 M's. But they had ordered it with, uh, basically it was a gloss finish and an upgraded pickguard and upgraded uh, tuning machine from the look of it. But otherwise with a triple O 15. But that was fun. I had never heard of that before. Uh, huh. And uh, so it was interesting to get the specs on that and be able to help him out. So feel free to write one man at one mans.com if you have any of those kind of odd Martin uh, questions. And then I'll be happy to mail them to Mari but the, uh, to get the answer, and I'll take credit anytime. Um, <laughs> so, what what other interesting twelve strings can you think of that you've uh, that you'd like to lot of remember? Well, you mentioned his name a few minutes ago, and it's it's just been something I thought about all week. Marshall Fleischer, our partner on Martin versus Martin, he has a really really cool Grand J twelve forty E, and it's so cool that he saw one up for sale. He actually emailed me to say. Hey, listen, I know you're probably not shopping for guitars right now, but this is up for sale, and i got to tell you, of all the 12 strings I've ever owned, this is the best one by far. And the reason I'm putting that into this program is to tell you that if you've seen Marshall play and you trust his opinion as much as I do, he had no qualms about saying the Grand J1240E is the king of kings. So he's played a lot of 12 strings in his life. He's owned more than one. He's probably owned more than one at one time acoustically, uh, and of course, including the Rickenbackers. If he could come on this program right now and talk about it, he would gush about the Grand J1240E. It has been a while since I've played it or seen it in person, but the times I have, I and mean, we've done a lot of concerts together in real life, and that thing sounds like a million bucks. Well, I've got to say they are incredibly uh, impressive, especially when you're the one playing them. They're just huge. Uh, I remember when they first came out with the Grand J body. And now the Jumbo, the Martin Jumbo body, uh, which was Chris Martin's idea, and the J40 was like the first thing that he came up with as a you know, bona fide executive at Martin, uh, basically took the M size, the quadruple O, a grand auditorium size and added the dreadnought depth to it. And so bigger, you know, you get a bigger bass. Um, I always think they sound like supersized triple O's. They, the notes are very clear and it's very punchy and they're kind of gathered and they kind of come out together, not quite in a fist, but really gathered together and very focused. And they're definitely good for people who um, either don't like playing dreadnoughts because they hurt their shoulder or they're too big for them, but they still want a big body and a big bass. Um, but also they're not as thick and, and woofy in the low mids as a dreadnought. And so I think they have a, their own special appeal. The Grand J is a different thing altogether. The Grand J um, was actually taken from Martin's modern era archtop jazz guitar and uh, with a slight tweaking to the body shape to turn it into a flat top acoustic guitar. I've heard various things that they were more inspired by the Guild Jumbo uh, size than the Gibson. I think in terms of cubic millimeters inside the body, they basically have the same um, cubic space inside, or almost the same as the Gibson um, Super Jumbo size. But they don't—they're not exactly the same shape. They definitely got a different—they got their own kind of. Uh, unusual shape to them. Um, but they're big guitars, and the first one they came out with, I thought, well, it won't be long before they have a 12-string of this thing coming out, because these are going to make great 12-strings, and that's exactly what happened. But yes, you can get them uh, out there, and it's you know it's kind of a surprise. They don't have them for sale, frankly. Um, even before that, I know he's a I know he's a McGuinn fan. I, I don't remember, but I have to assume he, uh, he bought... If he doesn't still own the uh, the D twelve forty two RM signature model, now this was different than, and I'm not sure if I got the exact 
nomenclature right in terms of uh, the model name, but it's the, the Roger McGuinn's first, first signature model. It's in style oh. 42, and it's dreadnought size, and unlike all the other Martin uh, uh, 12-strings out there, the G-strings are flipped like the Rickenbacker. That's what the Rickenbacker sound is different because when you get to the G-string, G the high unwound treble string, the harmony string, is actually f on top of the wound one. In, and all other Martin 12 strings and most 12 strings in the world, it's the other way around. And so they did that for, you know, because of his, uh, because of his prowess as uh, the, you know, Rickenbacker sound that you, uh, you know, attribute to, like, their version of Mr. Tambourine Man and My Back Pages, you know, and the other Dylan songs that they covered. And, um, and then some of you know he also had a second signature model that's a seven-string. That is a six-string guitar, except it has that extra G-string to give you that G-string high harmony twang, which is a pretty cool guitar in its own right. But not well, hold really. on. Let me back you up there just so I understand, because if uh, it's not fair to say if I missed it, someone else did, because sometimes I'm the only one that missed something. But you're talking about the octave strings being reversed versus the, I guess the Rickenbacker is reverse of the Martin. Let me just make sure I cut, catch what you mean. If you look at the guitar. Well, you know, I might, you know, I'm sorry. I may be wrong about that. Maybe it's not reversed on the Martin. It's reversed on the Rickenbacker. Maybe Martin didn't reverse it. Never mind. I think I made that all Oh, up. I don't know. I'm not correcting you, but I... I yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not reversed on the Martin, now that I think about it. I think now what I remember is they were talking about doing it. That's what it was. They were going to try to do it, and they couldn't make it work. So that's the kind of insider thing. But for our listeners, the it that you're talking about is if you're playing the guitar on your lap, and you look like you want to strum a chord from the thickest string the thickest E down across the sound hole to the thinnest E or E's, the very, very first string you're going to hit on a Martin 12 string is the high octave string or it's the wound deep string? No, it's a high octave string. And okay. it's, and yeah, so I'm, I'm, that's probably completely wrong. I think they talked about flipping the G string and they would, they experimented with it and that either they didn't like how it sounded or there was something about it that wasn't working the way that it works on a, on an electric uh, Rickenbacker. Um, well, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't realize any other 12 strings were different. I know that's the way that the 12 strings I've seen, but I didn't realize other brands had a flip. That's neat. Well, yeah, but it's not a flip. It's only that one string that was flipped. That's that. That's what was unique about the Rick, Rick 12. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, that's really? what I'm saying. It's only that one string that's flipped. But, um, but of course, I, maybe it's my fever, and maybe I had a fever dream about the whole thing. And I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to say, Mari, and you were there? And, and uh, Andrew, you were there? And Lori, you were there? Um, and Scarecrow, you were there? <laughs> very, very cool guitars. And, um, and, but uh, there have been some other really cool ones, the Richie Sambora signature models. This was the only time that they came out with a six-string and a 12-string for an artist where they were different sizes. These were pretty cool. They have their own unique sunburst. Um, the uh, the uh, six-string is an OM, and the 12-string is an M. So, you know, uh, relatively shallow body 12-string. And uh, only until very much of the modern uh, era uh, did Martin start experimenting with uh, shallow body 12-strings, but to some very good... Uh, good effect. Um, the the current uh, Grand J sixteen. That what's the official model name for that? Boy, I'm gonna trip over this, but Grand J twelve sixteen E is that's my best attempt. But that guitar, that that guitar is infamous for two reasons. It's actually the one of the best sounding surprises to me. I, I gushed about that when we first saw it because Craig Thatcher did a really good video about it in the Martin Museum, and I infamously got. What's the word? Beat up a little bit on the internet for, I did a quick video myself. At the beginning of the video said something like, is this the most comfortable Martin 12 string neck? Uh-huh. And so many people <laughs> took the uh-huh. And that, that little sound lives on the internet for all the worst reasons. But <laughs> that guitar, every other Martin 12 string I've played has a neck that's too uncomfortable for me to play at long lengths. And I haven't ever given it a lot of probably enough time to, to really get comfortable, but I can play something like an HD 1228. After a couple of songs, I'm, you know, my left hand is fatigued. That Grand J1216E, 
that it, it's a much more comfortable neck than any other 12 I've played, and it's really not close. I don't know why. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I wonder, well, I don't know uh, if it's because of how they set them up these days compared to how they used to set them up. Uh, they definitely used to set up Martins with higher strings than they do these days. And um, But I agree with you. I'm very impressed with that guitar. It puts out an enormous amount of sound. You don't get this, the same uh, gigantic bass that you get from other Martin 12 strings because of the shallow body, but what you do get is wonderful feedback protection. So it's a wonderful guitar if for people who are going to be playing on stage and want a 12 string. And for not a lot of money compared to a lot of 12 strings on the market. So for people who want a 12 string for just certain songs and aren't going to be playing it all the time, uh, that's a, it's, a, it's a great option. You know, still all solid wood guitar, still made in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Got the depth of, a, of an M or a, a, you know, an OM and... Um, and but still gives you that uh, big uh, sonic array from all, all those extra treble strings, and uh, and you can always EQ the bass better when you're playing on stage by you know running it through stuff and EQing it. So really cool guitar, and it's interesting that it's one of the few twelve strings that remains. Uh, it you know it has outlived the uh, the the Grand J forty, and that's a you know, bit of a surprise really. And, um, but there it is. It's, you know, clearly sells. Martin keeps things in the catalogs that sell. Uh, they always like to have at least one, you know, 12 string. And I guess right now they're looking at price points. So you have one in the standard series and above. You have one below the standard series. And then you have one that's from Navajo in Mexico, uh, which again, the X series uh, 12, not a lot of money for a lot of sound. And so, um, particularly if you're going to be plugging in uh, primarily and or you'll occasionally need that 12-string sound. Um, another interesting option. Um, they'll come out with others now and again, I'm sure. I think my all-time favorite's got to be the Pete Seeger signature model. That was basically a Grand J, but it was made with the special guitar pick sound hole and it was made to look like that English made 12 string that he did, and he absolutely loved his. Um, they were also designed that you could play them in standard tuning or put on baritone strings and play them in, uh, they were really, some people say they weren't true baritones because they, they were basically uh, typically tuned to, to uh, B or B flat. Um, you, I'm sure though people could get them down to see if they wanted to, but I love that stuff. I, I love the sound of those uh, 12 strings when they're tuned down into baritone tuning. Um, and which is what Leo Kotke did for years, and and uh, and huh. you get some really co cool, spooky, and still does. I think his, I think his uh, signature model. They don't make them anymore, but uh, his signature model, twelve string, um, same thing. You could adjust adjust it and play it with lighter gauge strings, or put on the baritone strings and and get down. He typically played in in, uh, I think B flat, um, but sometimes would go down into C. Um, really uh, cool wallowing tune. I have to say, I don't know about anybody else, when I go into a guitar store and I see a 12-string or somebody hands me a 12-string, I invariably have to play the same thing to start with, and it's the opening uh, licks from R.E.M.'s Talk About the Passion. Um, huh. Pete Buck played a lot of 12-string, uh, typically Rick Rickenbacker 12-string on, uh, on the albums, R.E.M. albums, so he didn't typically do it in concert, but... Um, but I that bum 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 Thank you. You're welcome for the earworm. How's that again? You know, when you talked about the Pete Seeger, you're making me think of another guitar, and you would be the one who would know. Remember the Philly Folk Festival guitar? Oh, absolutely. Well, Martin did... Uh, did they offer that in a 12? That's a very good question. Now you caught me. The sing-out, did they do it? They had to have done a sing-out 12-string. I can't believe they didn't. I, I remember um, the Philly Folk Festival 6-string, but I have it in my mind. That was also a pair. You can get it in a 6 or a 12, but when I say that, I don't know if I'm right. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, let me just... Let's just look it up. Um, Let's go to New York and see what the officials say. <laughs> I don't remember. So we've, we've been stumped. We'll have to look it up and see some other time. So maybe you can add that in the comments. Let's see. Other than the Pete Seeger, 
trying to think of what other really cool 12 strings are out there. Um, well, I did see, you know, when the, when the custom stops started doing those one-offs to bring to guitar shows and show up at, and show at Martin Fest and, and Martin Owner Club uh, stuff, uh, played a really cool Maple OM uh, 12 string that oh. I would have absolutely loved, you know, I'm sure me and what army would have loved to have owned, you know, beautiful, <laughs> uh, high, you know, figured grain and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, you can definitely get some very cool guitars. Um, you know, you, they don't have to be dreadnoughts. Um, Martin, Martin will certainly every so often come out with smaller body 12 strings. So, and in this era of a lot of artists liking smaller guitars, I'm, I won't be surprised if we see that again. Uh, sometime in the future. Well, I'm going to forget if I don't do it now. That's a beautiful segue talking about smaller body guitars. I began this show asking you a trivia question, and our listeners can certainly pipe in as well. Spoon, if I told you I was thinking about a very unique 12 string that we saw a couple of Martin Fests ago, one of our friends owns a very, I'll use the word oddball idea for a 12 string, would you automatically know what I mean? I maybe. Are you thinking of something that was in style 35? I am not. Oh. Well, was it OM-sized? It was not. Oh, well, then I'm thinking of a completely different guitar. I'm pretty sure that there was an o, like a something OM-35-ish uh, custom 12-string that somebody had at one year there. But, I, but maybe that's another fever dream. But go ahead. Maybe. Lay it on me. What am I forgetting? The answer is... Stan's CEO 7 12 string. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yes. How cool was yes. that? Yes. Yes. Stan, Stan Entinger's uh, very, very cool uh, 12 string. Oh, man. Yeah. You caught me totally by surprise. That was awesome. That was um, freakishly good. Yes, yes, yes. Very good example of uh, the double L size with the longer uh, slope shoulder body. And they give you a little extra bass oomph uh, compared to uh, a typical double O. Their size is like in between a triple O and a double O, but it's got this you know, kind of warm bottom end that you don't get out of either of those 14 fret uh, designs, really. That's very cool. Uh, short scale, double O L body size, but in a 12 string. Um, I can't remember if everything that is a CEO 7, with the only difference being the 12 strings. I forget if anything else was changed. Well, that's a good question because I do know that he also had a, a custom that I thought was Coca Bolo, uh, and I don't remember now if it was the same guitar or not. So I may be getting mixed up with something else with a different custom. I just remember that the wood on the back was spectacular; it almost looked like a face. I, I actually, uh, I actually call it the face of the Ent, since his name begins with Ent. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, very like woody f face in this really amazing, uh, pattern on the back, but I don't remember now if that was that guitar or not. It probably wasn't. That was probably a six string guitar, not the 12 string, but yeah, very cool. So just bear that in mind, people out there, if you're thinking about custom 12 strings, I talked about wanting a jumbo cutaway custom 12. Well, you can get them, you know, basically, uh, any, I, I don't know if they'll do them in any size, but Martin will certainly... Uh, consider doing uh, custom 12 strings in any of the basic sides. Uh, Martin's made uh, a, a GPC 12 string, in fact, though I don't remember, was it a GPC 412? I don't even remember now. Do you remember those at all? Yeah, I, I think the technical term was GPC PA12 PA4. Yes, thank you. And it's nice to know that someone still speaks Sumerian, ancient Sumerian, but it's uh, in this <laughs> time, but um, it's now, now that's got my head, uh, John Lydell's song, uh, John, they might be giant song. John wrote this song called, uh, the Mesopotamian, Mesopotamians, and I can never say that right, but, uh, <laughs> and you picked this week to try. That was actually, yeah, he told me it was a, uh, it was actually in his mind, it was the theme song to a Saturday morning cartoon that had never been made. Um, uh, called ah. We Are the Mesopotamians. Uh, <laughs> I still can't say it. Um, <laughs> but it's a very catchy tune. Look it up. Speaking of earworms. 
but it's like this poppy rock song as if it was as, you know almost like from the era of the monkeys kind of thing but but uh nice but um anyway um so i uh, i think that's that's a pretty big array. I know I'm missing one of them. I know there was a Martin 12 string I wanted to bring up and mention, and I can't remember what it is now. But um, well, While you're thinking of that, why don't you let our listeners and our viewers pipe in in the comment section, and you and I can play a rousing game of 20 questions. 20 questions. Okay, it's 20 questions. It's the game where one of us uh, has 20 questions to come up with the... Uh, Martin guitar that the other person is thinking about, and uh, three of those questions can include model guesses. So in this case, the wise guy, which is me, is going to get 20 questions to figure out what guitar the smart guy, which is Mari, is thinking of. Good luck, Fever Dream. 20 questions <laughs> on the clock, and go. Is this guitar a 12-string guitar? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Is this guitar still available for, for sale today? Yes. Wow, that narrows it down. <laughs> Is this guitar made in the Grand J body size? Yes. <laughs> Is this guitar made with... Uh, okay, well, I'm just going to say that it is the uh, Grand J1612E. <laughs> it's a new land speed record. That was awesome, Spoon. I, I wanted to give you something a little bit easier because you're not feeling well, but I didn't want to make it that easy. <laughs> Dang it. Well, that's I. You know, I I got myself into that problem. You're the one who actually has the record because I because <laughs> I tried to backtrack and double cross you, and you immediately guessed the guitar that we had just been talking about. And uh, so I learned that lesson. You have yet to learn that lesson because that's twice now that you tried to slip something like that by me. So. Um, well, if you know me, you know I do not learn lessons. So stop <laughs> thinking about that. The sooner the better. But that was great. I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, thank you. I did good. I did good. You know, now you got me thinking again about, about 12 strings and, um, you know, 12 string music. And I still think they work really well for holiday music. I think that extra shimmery, jang you know, that jangle that you get up top of a 12-string, and particularly when you're doing rolling picking patterns and stuff like that, uh, sounds really cool. And um, and oh you know, yeah, Holly Jolly Christmas is a great great one for that, isn't it? I would think so, and I would be very surprised if Burl Ives didn't in fact own and play a 12-string at one point or another, since he comes out of that same folk tradition. Uh, alongside Pete Seeger and some of those other people. But yes, also, you know, just uh, um, people who do the instrumental Christmas stuff. It's interesting that most people do uh, instrumental Christmas albums do, t you know, six strings. I guess, you know, it is harder to fingerpick 12 strings. Not everybody can be Leo Kotke. But um, though he's certainly not the only person who does some outrageous finger style on 12-string guitars. But it's definitely requires a lot more finesse and, and concentration than I have because I've done it many times for fun, but it's not something I would uh, ever, you know, really want to try to do uh, in performance very often. But uh, but now, yeah, now you got me, you know, thinking more and more about 12 strings. I'm going to have to see about maybe borrowing one of Tony's coming up and maybe do some recording with it. Maybe I'll do a Christmas album, holiday album with a 12-string Martin. Well, get get going. It's the 5th of December already. You don't have that many days left. <laughs> so we're revealing that this is being recorded on the 5th of December. Um, <laughs> and hard to believe, you're absolutely right. I, uh, As you know, I was on the road for quite a while, and uh, now I am back and just now trying to recover from this, this plague that I acquired and also 
kind of get all my ducks in a row. And I can tell you my ducks are not in a row. Um, but I'm well, working on it. I don't want to hear um, any more about your ducks, but I do want to talk about one goose before we go home. Uh, very good. How cool was Dick Boke's Spruce Goose 12-string back in the springtime when we actually got to, uh, what's the word, invade his living room? How, how fun was that? Oh, man. I am so in love with that guitar. I just, you know, he, Dick said that he, you know, he gave guitars away to certain musicians, um, and and he, then he decided to stop doing it. And he's now keeping all his guitars himself, <laughs> and I don't blame him because he, you know, he he get, he regretted some of them getting away. Even though, of course, you know, you you're some of these are you know musicians that made it meant it often a lot to him and good friends of his and stuff. But so I don't think anybody's ever going to end up with that Spruce Goose twelve string. But I certainly want it. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. For those of you who do not know what we're talking about, our friend Dick Bolk, who spent 30-plus years at Martin, he retired and then went back to his love of building guitars and has made some really wonderful instruments. And, of course, it with some wood that he'd collected over the years and had been saving for a very, very long time. And then he decided to do a series of guitars that are made with spruce backs and sides in addition to having Adirondack spruce tops. They look gorgeous. Uh, he uh, has them very lightly finished and in terms of the toner that he's putting on them, basically none. And so they're very white, cool, white-looking guitars. And um, they just sound magnificent. I think everybody is blown away with how much bass response you get out of spruce back and sides. I certainly was. I, I assumed they were going to sound like maple, and they don't. They, oh, they yeah. sound much, much more robust and um, colorful. They're very, very colorful sounding guitars, even if the, the look of them is not very colorful. It's much more in the in sort of white and cream you know, color scheme. But yes, a 12-string and a 6-string, big 12-fret uh, dreads, um, magnificent beasts, and beautiful. Uh, just as, you know, they have this ethereal sound, but still with a great deal of strength. You know, they I don't know if people are familiar with the Harry Potter novels, but they, when you get very powerful, you can project a, a creature out of your wand, they call it Patronus, that in the movies were depicted um, with this sort of translucent you know, glow about them and, and sparkle, and that's what the, what the sound of these things sound like, these, these you know, these big room-filling and yet very clear and three-dimensional sound to them. Can't talk about them enough. Um, he's on to doing a series of uh, Brazilian Rosewood OMs right now, but um, those look <laughs> fantastic for anybody who gets to see the photos on his Facebook page. But, um, yeah, I've... I've I will always look forward to seeing that guitar again. I hope I get to play it many times um, between now yeah, and... You think about if they if you build it, they will come. Dick Boke, if you invite us again, we will show up. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we will. And we'll be extra neat. Yeah, and they have a very, uh, let's just say, a very tasteful, pristine home. And so... Uh, but boy, what a wonderful time and uh, wonderful guitars. But yeah, that 12-string made with all spruce body was was definitely the jewel in the crown of the of, and that's saying a lot because he had some fabulous Brazilian rosewood uh, guitars he made as well but, oh yeah the, the worst guitar that day was still amazing and it's it's hard to really say something was better than something else but as we wrap this episode up spoon i do want to ask you i'll take you to task name the most iconic 12 string song in your mind and then i'll name mine with an asterisk Oh, well, I'm going to, uh, most iconic, you know, I don't really have one. I, I'm sure the moment you say something, it, it'll pop out of my head. Other than what, electric 12-strings, when I said Ticket to Ride is probably the first thing that comes to my mind. But in terms of acoustic 12-strings, boy, I can't even think of one right now. That's an interesting question. What, go ahead with what you would say. I always think of Led Zeppelin's Over the Hills and Far Away. Oh. But... When I heard that as recently as a couple of days ago in the car, the very, very beginning of that song is not a 12-string. It comes in the second time around. Oh, that's fascinating. So they added in, but that's that's very cool. That's that's a great tune. I know I've got to say, you know, i got to go with uh, 
I've got to go with just about anything David Crosby ever played on a 12-string. Just, uh, just this always sounded so beautiful. Um, I don't know if that many people are familiar with his first sol- solo album, if I could only remember my name. Um, a beautiful 12-string, perfectly tuned, is a magnificent thing. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to get clobbered by friends of mine who are going to say, I can't believe you didn't say this, and I can't believe you didn't say that. But I'm drawing blanks right now. Of, uh, too late. Uh, yep, too late. So I apologize. I think I need to have less cold medicine and less cold. <laughs> Doctor says you need your rest. We better wrap this thing up. You know what the music means. From all of us at Martins and More, thanks for listening. Hear you later. Thank you.